Welcome to the SAMA Podcast, where we talk to the most experienced people in B2B to find answers to one simple question. How can you become and remain essential to your strategic customers? Tune in as our guests reveal what it takes to become the supplier they cannot afford to lose. Learn how to level up your account management strategies to promptly deliver speed, convenience, and success to each customer. Let's jump into the discussion right now with Denise Fryer and Harvey Dunham. So welcome again to our CEO podcast. Today's topic is around strategic customer advisory boards. And if any of you have ever tried this, you know that it is extremely important and valuable, yet can be a tricky undertaking. I am thrilled to have with us today Betsy Wetsaver, CEO of The Congruity Group, as this is such a relevant topic with our members today. So Betsy, how about a quick intro and your background? Thanks, Denise, and thanks so much for the invitation to be here today. I'm so excited to be able to chat with you today. Yeah, my name's Betsy Westhaper and CEO of The Congruity Group, which is based in Dayton, Ohio. And what we do is we help our clients engage at the strategic level with the C-suites of their strategic accounts. And we're going to dive more into to how that all works, but the benefits are huge. The ROI is huge. We absolutely love what we do because we can directly see the impact very quickly. And so that's what we do. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Now, I think this need for the C-suite executives to engage directly with their customers is really critical today. It's always been important, but maybe more than ever before, based on all the significant changes to the organizations, to the strategies, to the priorities with this pandemic going on. And customers seem to be changing so much, so rapidly, that you have to do more to stay connected. And that connection needs to happen, not just with our SAMs, but really with the executive leadership teams as well. So I think this topic is extremely important. And I thought it would be good if we started, Betsy, with just laying the baseline for all of our members. What really is or maybe is not a customer advisory board and maybe specifically an executive customer advisory board? Yeah. So just backing up before I specifically answer that question, I think you're absolutely right as far as the need right now. And as you were saying that, a thought came across to me is everybody has said that about you have to stay on top of technology. It's changing so fast. It's changing so fast. It's kind of the same idea with organizational leadership and engaging with your customers, it is just changing so fast because everybody's priorities are changing and they're trying to figure it out simultaneously. So all of these changes have really created that need for executive to executive relationship with customers. So in its strategic customer advisory board is bringing together the C-suites of the host company with the C-suites of the customers to really have dialogue at the forward-looking kind of mindset at the strategic level. And some of those topics include innovation, R&D, business models, product roadmap, all of the things that executives love to talk about and that are important as they're making their decisions on how to grow the organization. 
you can validate those strategies. So you think about how many times have you seen companies put a product or service out into the market thinking they're going to hit a home run with it. They've spent millions of dollars to get there and then it falls flat. And my assumption is that they didn't test it out with a smaller portion of their market Mm -hmm. at the executive level. They may have done focus groups. They may have done some marketing and messaging testing, but at the executive level, is this something that is of value to their organization? So it's a chance to validate those strategies before they get to the point where they're out there in the market and things aren't going according to plan. To your question about what it's not, It's not a board of directors where they have decision-making authority, fiduciary responsibility. It's very different than a board of directors. It's really a board of advisors. And the customers are there to be advisors. They're not there to be sold to. It's not an event. It's a strategic initiative, an ongoing long-term strategic initiative versus a customer event, so to speak. And one of my favorite things that comes out of this is just the, the... board members become so invested in the success of the organization because these are conversations that are held under an NDA, relevant conversations with peers, and they get a peek behind the curtain of the strategies of a key supplier. So when they get that, when they get so entrenched into that level of decision-making for a key supplier, It just does. It happens where they feel like they are part of an extension of that customer's executive team. And then that leads to all kinds of things that we can talk about later, but advocacy efforts and all kinds of great results. And it also makes it very hard for the competition to penetrate that account. You know, that makes great sense. But because it's such a strategic topic area and things that you discuss under NDA, who from the supplier should be leading? a customer advisory board, you know, actually they're facilitating. Yeah. So this is what I love about a cab is although you have a point person, kind of the quarterback for the cab initiative, which usually falls in the marketing department, it really is a cross-functional initiative because for example, when we kick off a cab, a strategic cab, we'll go to the SAMs and say, who would you nominate based on these objectives and priorities for this customer advisory board, who would you nominate to serve on this board? So you get the SAMs engaged. And then marketing is running the process and then moving it upward toward the executive team saying, executives, what do you want to talk about? What are the key insights you're looking for? What are the questions you would want to ask these executives of our key customers? And then as the initiative goes on and you're building out the agenda, you start bringing in other parts of the organization. So you ask the product team, hey, we want to do a product session. And it's not feature function, it's more product roadmap or something like that. So you bring in the product team or you're thinking about changing a business model. So you bring in the finance team. It's one of the things that is so helpful for internal alignment, which I know is a very hot topic uh, across the SAMA community. A cab just by default, because of the way it runs, it brings in all parts of the organization. Again, the marketing team usually runs point, but it really is a cross-functional organization initiative. That's great. And you are absolutely right. Internal alignment is a challenge for us. Before we go there, I wanted to see if you would spend a bit more time talking about the benefits to the supplier organization, because I'm sure this is a tricky and difficult exercise to go through. So what value is it 
to the supplier's organization to do this? Yeah, and I would say it's not tricky or hard if you have the right process, methodology, and you have the expertise to run a cab because there is some inherent risk because you're bringing together these very important customers together with your executive team and it has to go right for all the obvious reasons. It has to go right. So if you don't have the expertise to do that, it can be tricky and daunting and filled with risk. But we've been doing this for so many years and we see how the process can work. So it really doesn't have to be that hard. But to your question about the benefits, obviously, like we talked about, validating the strategies for the host company, building those relationships, really deep trusting relationships with key customers. Even though, like I said, it's not a sales event, the impact to revenue is substantial. And one of the things that I have recently come across that just was so exciting to us was the research done by Noel Capon and Christoph Sen. And I'm in love with this research that they did. And Noel's, I believe, a SAMA board member, correct? Yes, Um, that's right. So they identified the five levels of engagement that they see in executives going from the hands-off guy that says, nope, not my problem, that's a sales guy, all the way to what they refer to as a growth champion. And what they did further was to associate compound annual growth revenue to that level of engagement. And those numbers tell the whole story. The more engaged the executives are with the customers, the higher that compound annual growth is going to be. And so from a perspective of an executive, being able to point to that and say, this is why you want to do this. This is a huge benefit. And they weren't speaking, I want to be clear, they weren't speaking specifically about cabs, but they were talking about executive engagement. And what we provide is the the foundation and the process and consistency to have that executive engaged with the customers. But I just thought that research was so outstanding and really speaks to, it's not a nice to have, it really is a have to have. And we just provide that structure for it. And that research was Columbia University, and it has really had an impact in ways that our members are engaging with their customers. But I'm sort of interested in, is there still a need for, say, net promoter score or other customer feedback tools? Would you do this in addition to that? Yeah, so I think there is. And and the reason why is you're looking for different things with different tools. So what we're looking for in an executive cab is different than what you're looking for in an MPS. There's so many different terms. There's customer satisfaction, customer loyalty, customer journey, all these different customer things that measure different things. And I think they're all very important, but what we're talking about is different than that. And it's what we believe has the highest level of impact moving forward. Some of those tools that you mentioned are actually lag measures. And what we're talking about is looking much further down the road with the insights from the customers at the executive level. So sure, I think there's room for many of those tools. It just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. It seems extremely valuable to the supplier. What about the members of the advisory board themselves? Do they get benefit? And does that benefit extend to your other customers? Yeah, so we get that question a lot, honestly, because the cab members are not paid to be there. And the reason why is we don't want there to be a financial incentive to their participation because that might cause them to withhold information 
It might cause them to feel funny about the conversations because they're getting paid to be there. There are a lot of reasons why we advocate for not paying them. So in order for these very busy executives to spend two or three days offsite, a lot of times on a plane, to participate in an advisory board for a supplier, you have to create that value for them that has nothing to do with a monetary benefit. So what we find to be the most valuable to the members is that peer-to-peer engagement, being able to be in a room full of people that are struggling with the same things, investigating the same things, in oftentimes in the same industry, looking at those challenges, just having the ability to have those peers together is highly valuable to them. Also, having access to the leadership team of a key partner is really important to them and building those relationships at that high level with the executives of the host company. Another big value is being able to have some influence over the strategic decisions that the host company is going to be making. Being able to put that insight and input into their decision-making because that helps align both organizations. If they're having these conversations and saying, you know, what would really benefit us is if you did this or if you considered this, that benefit to have that influence is really, really valuable to the members. The other piece that we always coach our clients on is it doesn't stop at that meeting. The benefit has to be that the members don't feel like they've wasted their time in attending. So that communication piece is really important. So after the meeting, communicating with the board members, here's what we heard you say, here's what we're considering. And even if it's, we're going to defer that to Q4 next year, that's fine. You can say that, but at least they know that their input was heard and validated and acted upon. That's highly valuable to those members as well. You know, I think really helped set the context when you said getting together for two to three days. It's not a two-hour meeting over the telephone necessarily, although might be virtual. It is clearly a depth in discussion. And you mentioned earlier about aligning the organization, and it's been a challenge of SAMA and SAM and our SAMA members all the time, this internal alignment, having your own company be able to break down silos and come together for the customer. How do you see this maybe helping in that challenge of alignment? Yes. So the alignment piece is one of the things that we get really excited about because it's very hard to argue with feedback directly from the customer when everybody, at least the people in the meeting and on the very near periphery are hearing it in the same context at the same time with the same peers in the room. All of that feedback that's coming around or coming out from the cab meeting It's just really hard to argue with it because this is your customers telling you this is what we need moving forward. The key to that alignment piece is, as I mentioned earlier, in the agenda planning, pulling people in from different parts of the organization. But even further is that communication afterwards, not just back to the board members, but to the organization itself. We had an example. We had a technology services company that was a client that asked us to do a debrief with their emerging leaders about what we heard in the cab. And they asked us to do it so it wasn't filtered through the lens of the internal team. But here's what happened. And here's our partner who helps us with this cab, giving you the information that was heard. 
So it's objective. It's not filled with any kind of political agenda or anything like that. It's this unbiased report back. And there were 700 people on that call that we got to say, here's what happened. And so Plus, that makes them feel more a part of the CAB initiative because there are many layers removed from actually being in the room, but they're getting the information they need to do their jobs better and to have a greater impact on the customers. So the alignment piece really happens before, during, and after the meeting, but it does absolutely help. And then there are a lot of internal marketing initiatives that you can do to help with the alignment. A newsletter, a CAB newsletter going out internally And again, these are confidential conversations. So you're not saying anything that can't be shared throughout the organization, but there's enough there. You're not attributing anything to a particular customer or anything like that. But here at a high level is what we're hearing and sharing that throughout the organization and update from the CEO saying, here's what's up next on the cab agenda. We're going to be pulling in product and whatever the case may be, but really engaging the organization kind of globally, so to speak around the CAB initiative really helps drive that alignment around what ultimately is the feedback from the highest levels of the customer. This sounds wonderful and exciting to do. Do the members of the board have any trouble with sharing with other members being there? Are there competitors there? I mean, I, I'm sure it's intended to be confidential, but are there any concerns that have come up? Yeah, so we do not have competitors in the room. We have had a situation where one of our clients did not absorb that coaching from us. And they said, no, 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 we have these two people. We really want them both on the board. We want to check with them to see if they would mind. And both of them said, no, 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 that's fine. But what happened in the board meeting was one of them stepped out for a brief moment and the other one said, okay, now I can speak freely which is the worst thing. You don't want to have that happen. You don't want anybody to feel that. So they finally understood why we coach so heavily on not having competitors. But the answer to that question is what we do is rolling terms. So when we have a board assembled, we ask them, do you want to serve for 12, 18 or 24 months? So you have a core group always, but you have people rolling off after that first 12 months. So say you have two competitors that you really want both of them to serve. You invite the first one in, give them a 12-month term, and then bring the other competitor in. So you're getting both of their feedback, just not at the same time. The other thing is we do not record the meetings because a lot of times if those meetings are recorded, it will hold people back as well. So we absolutely do not record. We've had this happen one time and it, again, did not work well, which is why we recommend against it. We don't allow people to phone in. Now take aside virtual right now because... There will be an end to all virtual meetings, but, and we are doing virtual cabs and they're very effective, but we don't allow for someone to call into an offsite meeting. It's disruptive. The technology's wonky, blah, blah, blah. But the other reason is we want them there to engage the meetings after like dinners, hanging out in the bar, going out and seeing some local sites at the end of the day. Those kinds of things are so incredibly valuable for the relationship development that gets lost if somebody's just phoning it in. So those are just some of the guidelines that we pass along to alleviate any of those concerns. About how often does an advisory board meet during the year? Yeah, our clients usually minimum of twice to get that momentum and that camaraderie going. Most of our clients, I was just talking to someone about this yesterday. All of our current clients are doing three meetings per year. Now, again, right now, some of them are virtual 
and it also kind of depends on budget because we recommend going offsite and a couple of reasons. Obviously, you want to give them a good experience, nice location, warm weather in February, that kind of thing. But the other reason is it sends a very powerful message to the customers that this is so important that the executive team from the host company is willing to get out of their office, be undistracted by the world around them to focus on what you have to say. It's a very powerful message to go off site. So that then leads to budget issues and stuff, depending on how big of the experience you're trying to create. So anywhere from two to three times a year, but then we also do some optional calls in between those meetings. So for example, a lot of times we'll have a board member, we'll ask them to present something they're doing that would be valuable for the rest of the board members to hear. And so maybe a 20, 25 minute presentation, Q&A and an optional board meeting. And if it's not anything confidential, we can record those and send those out. But generally speaking, we don't do the recordings on those either. So it's a continuous engagement, but we try to minimize how much actual time. We try to pack a lot of bang in for the time buck, so to speak. Right. So this sounds wonderful to pursue. So if one of our listeners out there is saying, wow, I really want to go do this, how do they begin to get that business case put together and take that forward to their companies? Yeah, great question, Denise. It's really about not the tactics of it so much as what would this mean for our organization if we did this? We've talked about internal alignment. We've talked about strategy validation. We've talked about the relationship building and how it really supports the efforts of the SAMs because it's going to lead to account growth. It's going to lead to account retention. It's going to allow for deeper relationships, not just SAM to customer, but company to company. So executive to executive all the way down, it really supports the efforts of the SAMs. And so if you can pull out that business case And frankly, we help our clients do that as we're putting our proposals together. Here's what's going to resonate with your executive team to try to get this to be approved. It's really about the business value that it brings to the executive team in meeting their objectives. Who typically makes the decision in a company to actually make sure this happens the right way? Is it up at the C-suite level that this typically needs the executive support? Generally, yes. It kind of depends on how large the organization is. A lot of times it's at a business unit level. Something I wanted to point out too is we've had clients that have multiple boards. For example, they have three verticals, four geographies, and they mix and match and they get this global perspective. And so they have multiple boards. So depending on what that looks like, it depends on who the decision maker is. Oftentimes it's the CMO that is the decision maker, sometimes the CEO. Again, it just kind of depends. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, another client was the chief commercial officer. He headed up sales and marketing and he was the ultimate decision maker. So it just kind of depends on the structure of the organization. So it seems like a very good process to put in place and be structured. Do companies tend to do this internally or is it better to have more of an external facilitator do this? Well, obviously we have a bias toward this because it's what we do, but many of our clients come to us after they have tried to do it themselves. And what I tell people is it is a very critical initiative that really has to go flawlessly because of these are high stakes customers with high stakes internal stakeholders. 
So it has to go well. And to be able to do that by squeezing it into your day job, when you have all these other responsibilities and lack of experience in doing these is really, really challenging. This is our day job. It's all we do. We don't even do any kinds of other consulting work. We only do executive level cabs. And so in order to really have it be world-class and to minimize any kind of damage that can be done to relationships, if it doesn't go well, both internal and customer relationships, our advice is to get a third party to manage this that has the experience. The other thing is just not a third party won't have that internal bias. It's nobody's fault. It's just a natural bias. But the way you phrase a question may be leading or the way you do the report back may serve your purposes. And again, I don't think anybody does that with malice or purposefully, or at least I'd like to think not, but we don't have that as a third party. It's more objective feedback. So we're getting close to the end here and I'm loving this conversation. But one last question. How does the host company know they're successful? Are there key things that they should be looking at to know that they are making the right kind of progress? Yeah. So one of the things we do when we set up the charter at the very beginning of the initiative, we build out a charter and we decide what are those metrics of success for the cab so that we can monitor to make sure we are being successful. So some of those may include obviously account retention of the cab members, account value growth. We measure the value that the board members get from the meetings. And so we do that after each meeting to say, was this valuable to you? Was this a good use of your time? So we look at those metrics because if it's going to be valuable to the customers, by default, it's going to be valuable to the host company. So we look at that. We look at how many of them engage in additional advocacy efforts and how many of the insights that came from the cab are, have actually been actioned and what did that lead to? So some of them are very quantitative. Some of them are a little more qualitative, but we decide on those ROI metrics, success metrics ahead of time so that we know what we're driving toward and then can evaluate it after each year and make sure that we're on point and that this is, and do you have time for one more quick story? Sure, Uh, please. So I love telling this story. We had a client that had a strategic advisory board And it was their second meeting of the board and one particular CEO's first meeting. He had missed the first meeting. So he was coming to the second board meeting, but as a first timer, and he was taking it all in, so to speak. And this is a CEO of a very visible retail brand that everybody's heard of. And at the end of the meeting, before we had even left the boardroom, everybody's in the boardroom, collecting their stuff, saying their goodbyes the chief commercial officer came up to me and he said, you're not going to believe what just happened. And I said, what? He said, this particular CEO said, before this meeting, I was ready to kick you guys to the curb. We've already been talking to your competitors. We've had not been happy. We couldn't see how this partnership could continue working. And I was ready to kick you to the curb, but I wanted to give you one last shot by coming to this meeting. He said, now I see where you're heading with your strategy, how that strategy aligns with mine, how it's going to help me grow my business. He said, our contract is up with you a year from now. Let's not wait. Let's renegotiate it now. Let's make it a three-year deal. And let's throw on all of our international business while we're at it. But then he went on to refer our client to another company over in the UK. And that company became a client and has emerged to be a top 20 account for our client. So you think about that ROI. So then the chief commercial officer said to us, 
as far as I'm concerned, the first two meetings have paid for the next 10 years worth of cabs. So when you think about ROI, those things can and do happen pretty quickly to recognize that ROI for such an initiative. Boy, I love that story. And it is certainly relevant to all of our strategic relationships to get that sort of buying relationship with a client. So that is amazing. Betsy, thank you so much. This has been extremely helpful and insightful. I really appreciate your time. I know there's more information out there. I wanted to let our readers know that in the show notes, we will provide a link to your first book, which is Profitability, The Revealing Story of Why Companies Succeed, Fail, or Bounce Back. That's by Tony Boda and Betsy Westhaver. And in addition, I know you've got a new book coming out there. So I encourage our listeners to check your website to make sure that they have an opportunity to get that new book, which will specifically be around executive support and value co-creation, another topic so relevant to our SAMs. So Betsy, thanks again for joining us. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Denise. So happy to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope today's wisdom will lead you down the path of experiencing success in your profession. Remember, the key to successful strategic account management is discovering where your customer wants to go and helping them get there. Subscribe to our podcasts at strategicaccounts.org. We hope you'll leave a positive rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If there's something we can do to improve our podcasts, please let us know. That's all for today. See you on the next one.